With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There you go. We are live. All right. That was a, oh, that was a beautiful rendition out there. Go ahead and finish that up, Kelvin. Beautiful rendition. Uh, <laughs> all right. We are we are live. Hello and welcome to another edition of the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rosier, Kofi Hemingway, special guest host tonight, Marcus Green, because it is National Signing Day 2222. And the Rattlers are doing the damn thing again. That's what we do, fellas. Good to see everybody. How's everybody doing? Go around the horn, if you would. Kelvin, Kofi, Marcus, how's everybody doing? I'm wonderful, man. Excited for the show, man. Great stuff. Doing well, doing well. Had a great day. It's National Signing Day, so everybody's feeling pretty snippy, pretty snippy. I see Marcus all dressed up. You know, he got his... He got his mid fans uh, Rattler jersey on and everything. Listen, he ready. That's right. Got on my Gulf Coast era throwback. <laughs> Gulf it. Coast era throwback. Hey, hey, look, Mar- wait a minute. I'm, I'm hearing all kinds of stuff in my background. I got to make sure my audio's right. I'm hearing, I'm hearing sound like a flight controller right now. I'm just trying to focus in on what I'm focusing on. Um, but I was going to say, Marcus has become a. Uh, a bit of a star in case uh, you guys, hopefully you got a chance to watch our uh, the BCSN's uh, sh- um, uh, National Signing Day coverage from earlier today. I know Marcus was joined with uh, uh, Brandon B.J. Jones, Roy Evans, and a couple of big-name guests 
that came on the show uh, this afternoon. Of course, our head coach Willie Simmons. So uh, I told I told Marcus, man, we we will have to get a uh, a recruiting show. He he, pretty much he's gearing up for his own recruiting show pretty much pretty soon. <laughs> Well, that's what yeah, that's so. what the ONG strikes on in. It's, it's a lot luncheon pads, you know. Look at uh my man Cope, you know, you know, doing his thing, you know, and and, and you know, you you guys doing y'all thing. I'm just here riding along, man, riding the coattails. <laughs> please, <laughs> yeah, please. I'm just please. glad y'all let me with y'all. <laughs> please. Well, uh, look, we. I know it's a, a a big day for football, but I, I figure you know we 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 we've been starting and it's been a good streak that we've been starting with foot with basketball news uh, because we are a basketball school. We are That's a right. basketball school as we as we told everybody four weeks ago. We are a basketball school, and so the hottest. I said the hottest. If if I were Scotty, I'd have some shots fired right now. Kofi, you go ahead and fire them shots. Pow, 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 pow. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. I got to do my man from uh from Boomerang. All right? Say fire them shots. Fire, fire them shots. shots if you would, Kofi. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> We are, we are the, <laughs> hey, we, we are the hottest team in HBCU <sighs> Division One basketball with seven wins in a row. Uh, Florida A&M went over to Alabama, and uh, we got a sweep over Alabama A&M on Saturday. And then against Alabama State, we picked up win number seven in a game that, look, we controlled the game pretty much the entire way, got tight there at the end, gave up the lead for like 30 seconds uh, late in the ball game, but regained the lead as FAMU improved to 9-11 and 11 on the season, seven in a row, seven and two in the SWAC, tied for first place with Grambling and Southern at the halfway point. I, I mean, I, I, you know, Kofi was by far and away, the most confident about what the ceiling was. I have bought into the streak. We, uh, we, this is the longest streak since 1989, 1989. Um, and, uh, you, you know, I, I had to go, you know, we get a streak that deep. We got to go back to the, uh, to the historian of our, of our crew. And I say our crew because, you know, Alvin Hollins is like an honorary member of the ONG strike zone all day, every day. And uh, so this came from uh, Mr. Hollins, 1989, just in case people didn't remember or know, that team went 20-10 and 10 that year, finished second in the MEAC with a record of 12-4 and four behind South Carolina State. Uh, there are two FAMU Hall of Famers that were on that team, forward Leonard King, and point guard Terry Giles. They were all conference that year mm -hmm. in 1989. Um, Kofi, you you said in our uh, in our backstage tweet, uh, text messages rather, you said you recalled that team. What are your what are your memories of the 1989 Rattlers? Um, well, you know, I want to say they had been building up 
uh, steady success under coach Willie Booker. And the year before the year, well, two years prior, I would say around about 86, 87, the team really began to, uh, to become uh, what people thought that the family basketball team could become. Uh, the games were always packed um, and we had good guard play. The team was athletic. Um, they can make a ton of shots and we would make deep runs into the tournament. I mean, fortunately for the MEAC, the MEAC would just happen to be in Greensboro, North Carolina, the home of North Carolina A&T. Um, so, you know, they would have a big home crowd. Uh, you know, it was basically a home, a home game for North Carolina A&T. Uh, that 89 South Carolina State <clears throat> managed to win the conference that year, but our team was solid. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, did we go to N the NIT? Um, well, we were up for a bid to go to the NIT because we won 20 games. Um, and so that game, the, our team was, was, was phenomenal. Um, and the team got even stronger in 1990 with uh with uh the addition of the few other recruits you know delon turner, DeLon turner. Um, reggie finney reggie finney whoo that joker there was just the truth so you know just all the way through uh terry giles was the one that really began that whole shift with family basketball and this team correct, is a correct, senior I, I, I gotta correct you so the year before was uh, all win where uh, senior year. He led. Uh, that's right. All win where. He was a guard. He was a guard, and Terry was a freshman. He taught Terry the ropes. But that's when right. I, I, I season. I mean, our basketball really got on the map with uh, absolutely all win where. He was mm -hmm. all American. All win where, and uh, yeah, man, a lot of our basketball traditions were really birthed out of that that particular time. So it's a very crucial time, and I, I feel like we're in that wave. The key for us now is not to lose the momentum. Um, this team has not peaked. Let me be clear. This team is not playing its best basketball. We just happen to be uh, better Spirit. than the teams that we're playing right now with our experience. But we're not playing uh, as good as I think that we're capable of playing. There is a ton of room for improvement regarding our free throws, regarding our defense, regarding our continuity on offense. And I think that as they continue to grow in confidence, I believe that that uh, that, that flow is definitely going to come. And I think it'll bode well for us recruitment-wise going into the season, which is why I really hope that Rattler Nation really shows up and shows out on Saturday so we'd be able to put on a good show in front of a nationally – uh, in front of a national audience, really a global audience on NBA TV. Mm -hmm. Well said, yeah. Kelvin. What are your you, you What are your thoughts on uh, the the streak, the season, the eighty nineteen? Anywhere you want to go with it while we're talking family basketball. Okay, so in terms of the current team, I'm very very excited to see them living up to what I thought they would be this year, with all the returning um, senior leadership that they have. You know, grad. Uh, students at this point um, and in the season they had last year and the, the year before you know 
this is what I expect them to do. Um, I would like for to see them put a complete game together where they uh, play up to their capability the entire game. They really haven't done that. Um, point in case, the Alabama State game, we were up 14 points at one time. Even in the second half, we were up double digits. Uh, one player got hot uh, and uh, shot, him, shot him back in, and I, I would have liked to see us uh, execute a little bit better when they were making it run. But to our credit, to, to our senior leadership, uh, our experience in these situations and winning tight games, as soon as they took the lead, it was under a minute left. Uh, uh, we ran we ran our offense, and uh, uh, I think it was Bryce Moran, I believe, uh, uh, made the winning points, and then uh, then we had to defend because we was only up by one. And uh, right. they gave it to their, their player who was hot, you know, who, who I think he went for about 30. But, uh, yeah. but uh, that particular play, um, they had been running it a lot, leaving it up to him. There's a whole second half. We had excellent defense. Uh, they didn't even get a shot really to the to the basket, right? So um, that's the kind of team we have. They, you know, reminds you of the football team. Really, uh, we don't flinch. You know, if we give up the lead, we bounce right back. So, so that that's a good sign when you can win and you playing without players because of COVID or. Or you 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 playing you know and we don't have guys foul out. Uh, we had quite a few fouls in the Alabama State game too. Um, you know, and all all the different adversity you face, you overcome it. You can still put together a seven game winning streak. Then that that's that that, that says a lot. And so now we just got to pack the pick for the TV game this Saturday. I would definitely be in the house, uh, uh, all dressed out. I might. You know, COVID been wearing his LBJ stuff the whole time. I'm gonna have to pull out my LBJ stuff. I think Saturday, and uh, let, let's get it. Hey, uh, before I go to you, Mark, it's just the, the the end of that ball game. You talked about our toughness down the stretch, Kelvin. We're down one with about two thirty-one to play, which was the first lead that you know we surrendered since probably the entire game. And uh, that Trace Young was the kid who hit that three, and he finished with twenty nine. So yeah, he 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 anything he was throwing up was going in, uh, and he was shooting some daggers from really far out. So yeah, I mean he was just feeling it in that second half, and and, and you know we you talk about having to defend. We missed one, two. I'm looking at him. We missed about three offensive shots or three possessions. We missed some jump shots. Uh, you know, MJ missed a shot from three, uh, Littles missed a shot, a couple of shots, matter of fact. And, you know, we, we didn't panic. I, I didn't, I didn't look at us as, uh oh, oh man, we, we, there's no way we, you know, we just came back on the other end, defended our tail off. And what do you know? The last possession, they, you know, their, their defense, fell asleep, and we got an easy transition, which allowed Bryce to go to the free throw line after getting fouled. Almost ended up with an and one. So, outstanding. And then we had to defend for the final 21 seconds of the ballgame. So, really impressive win to see us overcome and defend at the end of that ballgame. On the road. Bryce Moran, on the road at that, you know, and and a tough environment. They looked like they had a good crowd 
Yeah. The crowd. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Marcus, what's your take on the uh, Rattler men's basketball team as you've watched them this year and, and just the where we at from a historical perspective at this point? I'm liking what I'm seeing. I mean, I'm impressed with the seven-game win streak, especially how we started. And um, it's just impressive how we, everything has been strung together and everyone seems to be playing despite the obstacles of players in and out with, with COVID or, or COVID uh, protocol and those type of things. So you're seeing the team gel together. As far as reflections, I guess historical, I want to say I was a freshman or sophomore when that, well, I was a sophomore in the 89 team. I seem to remember the year before, I think we went 22 and eight, somewhere in there. So wow. I remember when Terry Giles was there, we were just balling. And, you know, I was head spinning, trying to get my bearings on campus. So I went to, but it just seemed like it was a real uh, uplifting time for the basketball team. And then we've in the nineties and then things are kind of up and down. And now hopefully uh, like Kofi mentioned before, we're riding momentum, and this results in more uh, crowd attendance, recruiting efforts, you know, from the transfer portal and from high school students who will look at us as a basketball school and want to join in part, join in part of what we're doing or what uh, Coach McCullum is doing. You know, again, yeah, I, you know, I know our, I know our you know, especially with this whole contract with LeBron James. We want Bronny. So if we want Bronny, we have to set the table for Bronny and his brethren and all of the people that's connected with him. If we want him, we have to we have to build the type of atmosphere that would make that would be engaging enough or I wanna say um activated enough, energetic enough that would make him consider Fam, you as a strong possibility for him. For the record, there has been no HBCU in Division One basketball history that has made it to the Sweet 16. Now we've got strong history in NAIA and uh, Division Two, um, where our teams have actually won national titles. But on the Division One level, we've not gotten there yet, and I think that it would be amazing to see fam, you make that level of history, um, you know, but you need the right personnel to, to attempt to have that kind of run. And I think that we can do it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I think this team is starting to get a lot of national attention. MJ Randolph, of course, is getting national attention. Uh, uh, I, I believe he's uh, becoming one of the semifinalists. I believe the Lou Henson, Award is uh, got him on the watch list now. I saw something from College Insider. They're paying attention mm -hmm. to him. That's national. It's recognized the fact that we have 13 returning starters. I think those are some of the storylines in this contest upcoming on Saturday against Texas Southern, who is they are uh, right now. I'm looking at the standings. Texas Southern sits at six and three in the conference. So everybody's at the nine game point halfway mark. They're one game out. So this is this is a battle for, for FAMU to stay in first place, but Texas Southern is hungry. They want to get back to first place. Remember, they are the conference uh, favorite, predicted to win the conference. Uh, they're the team that made history last year and advanced in the tournament. So uh, they're the defending champs. And so 
that's a battle-tested team. You know, eight and ten overall record, six and three in a row. Uh, so it, it's going to be a good contest. I, I don't know if there's much of a history. There may be from way back in the day, nothing in the modern era. So this may be the first ever meeting. You guys are kind of shaking. This might be the first ever meeting between uh, Texas Southern and FAMU. Um, on the, uh, you know, obviously it's a doubleheader on NBA TV. Pre-coverage starts at 1.30 Eastern. The women's game starts at 2. Of course, their women are led by uh, Cynthia Cooper, uh, 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 one of the goats of the WNBA, just one of the goats in women's mm-hmm. basketball, period. I mean, she's she might be on that Mount Rushmore uh, uh, of, you know, yeah. most people's Mount Rushmore in professional women's basketball. And so they'll be coming into that contest. I think our team will finally be at full strength and health. Hopefully, if they can keep the turnovers down, they might be able to stay in the ball game and be competitive. Uh, that, that'll be the key for our women. And then at 4.30, that is the scheduled NBA TV time for the men's game. Uh, so, look, we the ads have been out. Kelvin said it. Kofi said it. Marcus said it. We got to pack the pit. Rattler Nation has to show up. You got to show up and show out this weekend. Uh, what, what are the ticket costs, Kelvin? What are the individual ticket costs for people to go to this contest? You know, I, I don't know. I'm a season ticket holder, so. You're a season ticket change. holder, right. <laughs> well, uh, look, we 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 know that uh, what 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 season tickets range? What's the range of season ticket costs? Okay. Hey, you can go ahead and buy your season tickets now. There's still there's still at least four or five more home games, so there's no excuse to not buy season tickets. So you can go ahead and, and call that write that off as a donation to the program, right? That would be the smart thing to do. Uh, so again, that'll be a good contest uh, between Texas Southern and FAMU. Uh, of course, FAMU's tied for first place with Southern and Grambling in uh, first place. Texas Southern sitting right, right behind. And so, uh, any any other news or thoughts that you guys want to share regarding basketball? I just want to say this is our this is our time. Whenever you have momentum, you don't want to take it for granted because you don't know when you're going to get this level of momentum again. I I, I believe that we can go to the next level. I I pretty much know that we are, but you don't want to take it for granted. AKA Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, <laughs> you think you're gonna be there every year. You think you're going to the Super Bowl every year. And lo and behold, here comes Joe Burrow and his his posse coming up in there right. and shutting stuff down. <laughs> so you have to, <laughs> when you have that momentum, when you have the team that you believe can win the championship, you really want to go forth and and seize the day because you don't want to take these moments for granted. They don't come around as often as we want them to. Well said. Uh, with that. I'll give a little show plug. Just remind everybody, if you're watching us on uh, YouTube, out there in the chat, see J-Mac there, uh, Dwayne Sweet, Montre Bennett, uh, Tamara T, Marcus uh, is out there. We appreciate all of you for watching. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to that JBN channel, MyJBN1. Give a thumbs up, like, and share. Now's the time, a great time to share, because we've got some great content coming up. So 
during this commercial breakup coming, go ahead and hit the retweet, like, share. We're everywhere. Facebook, YouTube, is streaming live on Twitter. Uh, my BCSN1 on the Black College Sports Network. Great time to do it because on the other side, Zach McConnell, a.k.a. Blue from the Blue Buds podcast, will be joining us. Hey, we, we, hey, we, he dressed out. Him, him and Scotty, they dressed out too. <laughs> hey, we, we are converting as many people as, as we can, and it's starting to take root. I don't think that's what happened without this show. I'm just saying that, okay? It, none of this would be possible without the ONG. That's the kind of moves we're making. We are spreading orange and green to as many podcasters, broadcasters as we can, we just we just doing what we can, just trying to spread a little love, a little family love. That's all we doing. So uh, coming up after the break, we got Blue joining us. So make sure to stay tuned. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. This is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together we can be the change. Nope. Nope. Come on, him? Ooh, I like him. The Quicker Picker-Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker-Upper. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your family. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. It's NBA TV and baby, the swag is back. The Lady Rattlers and the Lady Tigers start the show. Then the champ is here. Last season, TSU's men captured the swag title. The family anxiously await their arrival. Coverage begins Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on NBA TV. All right, there we go. 
Welcome back right. to the Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway, Marcus Green, and joining us, Zach McConnell, a.k.a. Blue from the Blue Buds. Right, let me say that five more times. Right. The Blue Bloods <laughs> podcast. That's a tongue twister if you say that too many times. Zach, thank you for joining us, man. Uh, how are you doing this evening? Oh, uh, man, I'm doing good. National signing day is always a big day. Me and uh, Allscript just got done doing an eight-hour live stream. So we've oh been gosh. rolling today. That's, uh, that's heavy, man. Eight hours. And look, let's let's not get it twisted, ladies and gentlemen. Look at that beautiful FAMU gear that Blue is wearing. <laughs> and if you were watching the stream, you saw what Scotty was wearing. Look, Scotty has gone full-blown Rattler. I, it is it, – and look, I remember – he had a little words about all the orange. You see, that orange is contagious. It just makes you feel good inside when you're wearing all that orange and green. He, he kind of laughed about it. Wearing that dark blue just makes you feel kind of down and, and grumpy and dumpy sometimes. You just got to sometimes brighten up your day. And, and that's what the orange and green does for you. So it was a good look. You guys did a great job, man. That, that was a that was some great coverage that you guys uh, put forth. Um for, 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 for let's try to get a little background first before we get into talking about this uh, FAMU class and then uh, the rest of the SWAC. Let people know a little bit uh, of your background and how you got into um, FCS and HBCU uh, uh, coverage. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, me and my friend actually started the podcast like three years ago. We just switched it over to YouTube in the spring and you know, it was just us two doing it on the side. And as it became a full-time gig, I've always been a big FCS football fan. And with the spring season, it just gave me a chance to bring it into the forefront of our show. And it just became such a big hit, man, from, you know, the people up in Fargo and North Dakota State that are rocking with us to you guys down in Tallahassee at FAMU that were rocking with us. It, it really just became like a staple of our show. So power five because that was that's what was in the news we both wanted to kind of be like you know at the forefront of like espn and things like that but i realized that there was a big there was a lack of coverage for the entire fcs whether it's the missouri valley the swac the caa the big south and i figured that you know there's no better person than us to kind of fill that void so now we've really morphed into really the only podcast that covers all levels of college football and when i first started it you know switching my show more to fcs i never thought it would take off like it did man so you could just tell the passion of the fan bases the pa the passion of the players the coaches and things like that are really just bar none how does the how does the passion of we, we are familiar of course with our hbcu fan bases and the passion that's there how does it compare to the other side of FCS football? Because there, there is. There feels like there is maybe two. I don't know. You might even say three sides to FCS if you, if you include the Ivy Leagues. But there's like these different sides of FCS football. How would you compare the passion uh, of, of HBCU fans versus the, the other rest of FCS football fans? Um, I think I think there's levels to it, like you said. I think at the upper echelon is like the SWAC, the Missouri Valley with the North South Dakota states. The I don't know if you guys know this. The people in Montana are psychopaths for their football. Montana and Montana State have two of the craziest fan bases that I've ever interacted with. I picked against them one game. 
And I had so many Facebook messages I didn't even know what to do with. And I, that was just me picking against them, playing like Sam Houston or something, and they just went off on me. So th th there's that level. And then I think as you work your way down, there's like those teams like, you know, Southeastern Louisiana and Carnate Word, where they have passionate fans that just might not be as big of a fan base as you're used to in the SWAC and some of the other schools. And then, of course, you've got the Ivy Leagues or the or the schools that are just in the middle of nowhere where their enrollment is really not big enough to support football or they're focused on other things like the Ivy League, really more focused on academics. But those, those guys over in Princeton this year really supported their team. They had a great team, top 25 team. So I think there's levels to it just like there is in the FB. Yes, but I think the SWAC and the Missouri Valley and some of those big sky teams are way, way above the rest when it comes to fan support. All right, Kofi, get us get us started with uh, with 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 uh, with our class and your and, and our and our and our guests. Well, man, you've been at it for eight freaking hours. I just want to thank you for joining us. So you've had an opportunity to see everybody's class. Um, so what would you say would be your top five classes uh, with your HBCUs? Um, I, I think you got to put, you know, Jackson State at number one just because of what they did with Travis Hunter and Kevin Coleman. I mean, we're talking about that. That's not just SWAC changing. That's FCS changing commitments to, to land the number one player in the country, another borderline fault. Uh, five-star in Kevin Coleman, and they did work in the transfer portal, especially with that offensive line, which really needed some help after last season. I think, two, I'm going to give it to Grambling. I mean, every time we turned around today on the live screen, Grambling was getting another six, five, six, six wide receiver out of Kansas all over the place, and they, they, they stamped their mark in Baton Rouge. You could say Southern did their thing, but Grambling's really making their mark, their mark in that city of Baton Rouge. So I think with Maurice Washington, Holloway at quarterback, I'm really impressed with what Grambling did, including Cam Jones out of SMU as well, who I had on. It's going to be a game changer. At three, I'm going to put Fam. I think what they did getting the kid out of Vandy at quarterback, I think added competition to the quarterback room is only either one going to give fam a better quarterback or push for Sean McKay to elevate his game to that next level. I think Jordan Moore might be one of the more underrated signees in the SWAC as well at safety. You know, safety was a big need for fam losing to, you know, Marquise Bell's a generational talent at FAMU and will go down to history as one of the best players to play there. And then you also had Antoine Collier, an All-American transfer in, who's on his way out as well. So getting Jordan Moore was big. I think the linebacker, Isaiah Major, All-American from Indy, was big as well. And then, of course, you got a lot of people coming back, but that O-line class was nice on early signing day. Keenan Forbes was a big loss for them, but I think they did a nice job getting size and experience to replace them. Four, I would probably put Alabama A&M, the transfer portal Kings, man. I think um, Connell Manor said they signed 13 defensive backs this class, which I don't think has ever been done anywhere. I mean, some teams don't even have 13 DBs on the roster. So for him to do that was outstanding. They got Middleton out of Tennessee, a 6'7", 290 defensive tackle, who's going to be a monster on the interior of that um, defensive line. And then the offense is always going to be fine, man. They land Jaron Williams at quarterback to go along with Quincy Casey. They still got Gary Quarles coming back, and that wide receiving core is just plug in and reload. And then at five, man, five is tough, but I'm going to probably give it to Alabama State, shockingly. I was so hard on the hire 
of Eddie Robinson Jr., but they really turned that class around. They landed a bunch of nice kids out of South Alabama, out of Mobile, Chickasaw area, and they really, you know, wound up having a pretty solid class. They The defense was never a problem, but they got a lot of playmakers to go along with that new offense. I think Joe Owens at quarterback is still going to be the answer there. So I think Alabama State was sliding to my number five spot. Nice, nice. Kelvin. So, um, I, I like, first of all, I, I really like uh, blue analysis. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really debate none, none what he said. His top five sound about right to me. Uh, in terms of our class, uh, uh, we signed a, a player at every position except tight end. We, I think we have four or five on the roster already returning. So all our tight ends were returning. So it wasn't a position of need. Um, I'll just point out the couple of surprises, and I and I did go to the um, the the signing ceremony at the moon that that we had uh, with Coach Simmons, and um, he gave a, a little insight to a couple of them. Zaire um, Riley, he's not a surprise. We knew he was committed, and he was he was going to sign. He was he was there too tonight, but uh, I didn't know he was going to be an early enrollee. So he's he's on campus already, so he'll get a chance to go through the spring. Um, Michael Watson was somebody who came on the scene kind of late, big linebacker out of uh, Georgia, um, 6'3", 225. If you look at his tape and what he did, it's hard to understand uh, how he was so under-recruited because he was all, you know, he was the man on his team and in his, in that area. I mean, he was he was a tackling machine, and he has the measurements. I mean, kid six two six three, and he's legit two twenty, right? Out of coming out of high school, so so uh, I I think that was a uh, uh, Michael Watson the second. I think that was a really good pickup. Of course, Kareem Burke, uh, three star, high, coming out of high school, um, Jacksonville. Of course, he had a he had an older brother that is at film and tried to w- walk on at film. Um, so, but what Coach Simmons was saying was that uh, he came to a game, and, and the assumption it was homecoming. It had to be homecoming of the Southern game. Well, uh, but he came to a game, and, and he saw that atmosphere because he was actually committed to a group of five. Uh, I think it was Connecticut, maybe, but. Uh, but when, but once he once he saw that atmosphere and, and so forth, he reversed course and he was he was you know of course he followed that up by, with signing with us. And then um, Lamar Mullen, I don't know a whole lot about him other than he has that safety size that uh, Marquise um, has. You know, sits to two oh five. He's a a trans uh, uh, a transfer kid, and um, you you put him along with what we got returning along with uh, um, I got out of Texas. I I see the the, the blueprint of uh, that defense, and we signed four linebackers by the way. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, and to me that was definitely a position, and not only because we lost two, but uh, um, we needed an infusion of talent at that position. And size, and um, 
you know, so we went with a, a couple of transfers and a couple of high school kids. So uh, uh, the strategy that we used, we went for needs. And um, Coach Coach uh, Simmons and Coach, uh, I'm sorry, President Robinson was there also at the uh, – and, and they were speaking to Coach Coach saying, hey, not every kid that you, you're trying to bring is a uh, role scholar. Uh, of course, uh, because uh, FAMU is a – what people may not realize, FAMU is a tough school to get into. Uh, uh, President Robinson mentioned that uh, the incoming freshman class – uh, average GPA like three point nine or something, something crazy, right? So and those and those aren't said by the university. They said by the university system. So, Coach uh, Simmons have to not only find really good players, but kids that can get into FAMU, which is which is not easy to do, and that's a different challenge than a lot of other schools he's competing against. Um. Marcus, what are you? What are your uh, questions, or what do you got for Zach? Uh, I guess for Zach, uh, in terms of comparing uh, FAMU's recruiting class to what you may have witnessed out on the FCS landscape, and I guess a kind of a sidecar question to that is: we've seen within the with the advent of the transfer portal that. A lot of the HBCUs have taken advantage of that to gain talent. But it seems, and this is, you know, from my lim- my myopic view, that I don't know how prolific that is outside of it, uh, outside in the non-HBCU FCS realm. So how do we go about closing that gap, whether it's in talent or whether it's in schemes such that we're competing at the levels that we see from, James Madison now going to FBS, North Dakota State. In terms of talent on the field, it seems like we may be there, but I don't know what – if it's not talent, what is it? Um, I mean, I think I, – I, right now, I think the SWAT can compete with, like, the teams that are probably, like, 10 down. But when you get past that, like, top 10 area, you're talking about teams that have a culture of, like, 25 years or more, like, being up, I mean, North Dakota State has been doing it at that level for so long that it's it's like that Nick Saban like factory where they're just turning out kids who might be three stars, but in that program, by the time you get out of there, you're ready to go. Well, player development, I think, when you get to the top with the James Madisons and North Dakota States, where you're never going to see them in the top 100 in recruiting, but that three star that they signed today out of Georgia is going to be an All American in two years, and. I, you know, I've interviewed the state guys on the show, and they said the difference is in the strength and conditioning and the coaching behind the scenes. They were like, we, in our opinion, we have the best talent developers in, in, in the country. And so for me, I, I think the swag is right there. It's just going out there and testing yourself. And I thought, fam, you did a great job of that. Even though they didn't come away the victors, I thought that Southeastern Louisiana game taught FAMU and their coaches a lot on what to expect when you get to that you know, outside mm-hmm. of the SWAC level and in that playoffs. I thought it was a great learning experience as a whole. Like, okay, well, this is where we were weak. You saw and you talked and you guys just talked about it. The linebackers were very clear that the linebackers were not up to par with what you needed in the playoffs because every time a running back or a tight end got out in the flats, there was not a linebacker to be found, and they just picked that apart. And so I think overall the talent gap is not that big. I don't think there I don't think there's a talent gap really between JSU and NDSU. 
I think it's just they're they're a step ahead right now because you know Deion Sanders and that coaching staff hasn't been there as long as what North Dakota State and their coaching staff has. And so I think it's just building that culture of winning is really the only thing that separates the the elite FCS schools and and some of the SWAC schools. But you look at recruiting today, Jackson State was number one or two, depending on the metric you use. You look you, you look at Grambling, they were in the top five. FAMU was in the top ten. Alabama A&M was in the top ten. These SWAC schools, the talent isn't the problem. It's just getting out there and winning those games when you have chances where it's like one misplay there, one misplay there, and then people look at it like, oh, well, the SWAC can't compete. Well, no, they just lost the game just like any other team. So I think it's, one, a narrative issue, and also, two, just taking advantage of your opportunities. And I think – because I think when you look at that Southeastern game, yes, it was, what, 38-10 to 10 or 14 or something like that. If, mm-hmm. if you don't let a fake field goal go for a touchdown, we'll take the seven off the board. If you don't let two fake punts extend drives for the Walter Payton Award winner, do those drives become touchdowns? So I think it's, it, it, it's a culmination of a lot of things, but I don't think a talent gap is the real problem. Okay. Preach, sir. Preach. You know, but, you know, for real, <laughs> on that level, uh, for years, Youngstown State would would have uh, three stars and two stars in their recruiting class. And Coach Tressel uh, and his staff would just coach those guys up with technique, with understanding where to be. They weren't doing anything fancy. They just executed their freaking game plan, and they didn't give ball games away. Even if you look at the freaking Celebration Bowl with South Carolina State and Jackson State, um, it wasn't that South Carolina State did anything extra fancy with their game plan. They just came out and bust Jackson State in the mouth. Um, And they took advantage of that field position right before the end of the half and managed to flip it and uh, end up getting a, a turnover and then uh, getting a short field again, and it shifted the game. So understanding style of play, understanding what you do well, and executing is what it's all about. I, I personally just want to see a more disciplined, from a family perspective, I want to see us be more disciplined, um, mm-hmm with our special teams and with our penalties. And I think that if you cut all of that stuff out, just giving away free yards for no reason at all, just free yards, uh, I think that, fam, you will be in position to do uh, phenomenal things come the fall. And I think I'm looking forward to it and seeing how uh, we develop. Because as you can see, McKay was a much different quarterback at the end of the season than he was at the beginning of the season once he played with that Jackson State game. And I, I think this being a FAMU podcast, there was two great games that support your example too, the Alabama A&M game and the Florida Classic. Because you look in the first three and a half quarters of the Alabama A&M game, FAMU was shooting themselves in the foot consistently. And Alabama A&M was in that game. And then as soon as FAMU settled down and stuck to their game plan at the end, they come back and win. And then in the first half, people forget the Florida Classic was 7-7 seven to seven at halftime this year. FAMU is not playing well. They come out, force, what, four turnovers in the third quarter, and it's 40-7 to seven in 15 minutes. So I think those are two great examples of you talking about playing disciplined football and sticking to your game plan because I think you saw 
especially in the playoff game, once FAMU got out of his game plan, things really got out of hand. Two two of the biggest games you mentioned. I I have a feeling you know it got a little got a little tight up there in uh, uh, you know in, in those two particular games. Those were two of the biggest games. So uh, I you know I can understand our slow start uh, or us sort of being off our game a bit uh, as we were also against Jackson State. Um, anyway, moving forward. Uh, as you look at this FAMU recruiting class, Blue, what's the, you know, and you mentioned a couple of guys like uh, Jeremy Musa, but we don't know uh, how he's going to play into the mix. So, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there, there, he's got some challenges in, term, in terms of getting on the field. Is there a player or two off of this class that you think can, can come in and instantly make a difference a la maybe uh what Antoine Collier was able to do this past year uh for for FAMU yeah Jordan Moore is that guy I mean Jordan Moore for me when you look at his potential is a is a swag defensive player of the year potential candidate I mean if everything works out for him and he lives up to what he was as a four-star coming out of high school there's no doubt he can probably be the best safety of the SWAC, in my opinion. And that's saying a lot with Earshot Davis still around and Cam over there um, at Jackson State. There's there's a lot of great safeties, but Jordan Moore has every bit of the athleticism, the ball skills, the maturity, the speed, the athleticism to be a problem at the safety spot for FAMU. And he has the ability to play multiple positions. He's played in the slot. He's played free safety, strong safety. He's come, he's come down in, in, as the box safety. He's done it all. And – I think my biggest thing when I was talking to him on my show was he realizes his mistakes he made at previous stops and he's matured as a person and you're not getting an 18 year old out of high school that's really going to be unknown or be distracted by the glitz and the glamour and the college life. He's he's done all that. He's here for business and to, and, and to go to the NFL draft. So I think and I think the same for Isaiah Major too at linebacker. You know, linebacker Packers they sign. We'll see if we'll see if he gets if he gets the start. But for me, he's exactly what FAMU was mission, uh, missing. A highly athletic, ball hungry linebacker. He was a he was a first team All American in the toughest JUCO conference in the in the country, in my opinion. And when you look at his film from Indy, he played safety. He played middle linebacker, weak side linebacker, Sam linebacker, edge rusher. Played in the slot. He's so athletic and versatile in how you can use him. I think fam, I think FAMU's coaches are going to drool over this kid and how they can mix and match in that linebacking room. So I think Major and uh, Jordan Moore are my two picks there for instant impact players for FAMU. Nice. So do you think nice. that this FAMU class is – Do you, would you say that this FAMU recruitment class is faster um, than what you have seen in times past, or are we, are we round about the same? Uh, I mean, I think you got a lot of speed. That quarterback commit – that's that 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 you guys got. I mean, that kid has to run like a four three. Me and Scotty were watching his film today. He could fly. I mean, I would put him up against any running back fan you has right now, and that's at the quarterback spot. And then you got you know you got Isaiah and everything like that. I, I think personally, I think I think the whole swag as a whole increased their speed, but I think fan you has, has a lot of athletes that can move in this class. Mm-hmm. And actually, you to your said. point, Blue. I was going to say, to your point, I noticed in the last week or so, just tracking FAMU's, I mean, we had, you know, offers, you know, out there for years and everything else. But I, I noticed in the last 
week and a half, two weeks, we were putting a lot of offers out to athletes who could go either side of the ball playing offense or defense. And some of the offers were preferred walk-ons. Like, I don't know if they came through or not or if they're going to be later in the week, but there's some guys that made all conference teams, I'm sorry, all county teams within the state of Florida or even in Georgia that are offered as preferred walk-ons as athletes. And I think that's part of the strategy is to get players who have the physical skill set and talent and figure out where they play and, and put them out there and just let them do what they can do. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. And they should. And that, that's the advantage that FAMU has over some of these other schools is that the state of Florida is so talent rich. So you have kids that might not have an offer that could start and play for some of these FCS schools. And they might not even get looked at because they're, they got so many great high school players on their team that they just get overlooked. And I think you've seen a slow matriculation of just athletes at, at, at football in general. I mean, it started back in the early 2000s with like the 4-2-5, 3-3-5 defense that, you know, Gary Patterson, a lot of these coaches introduced to college football where it's, why are we going to put five big guys up front that can't move? Why don't we just put our best athletes on the field? And my 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 eleven best athletes are better than your eleven best athletes. And I think I think you see that a lot. I think Bethune Cookman, you know, the arch rival, they listed like fifteen or sixteen recruits today as athletes. I don't even know what position they play. They just they, they just said athletes for everybody. And so I think you're seeing that all, all across college football. And it also helps the kids become well rounded players as well because if you're playing wide receiver and db you have such a great fundamental understanding of both positions it helps you on the other side of the ball because as a wide receiver now you know what that db is looking for now you know how to read coverages now you know when he flips his hips where he's going and things like that so i think overall it makes kids better athletes and the, and i guess increase their knowledge of the game of football way more playing both ways mm-hmm. calvin what do you got you got anything jump in there well, um, I want to kind of ask Blue, uh, compared to last year's recruits, um, both FAMU and the SWAC, and what, what, what you know, Dion, we know the Dion has had an impact. Uh, do you think that's overstated? Um, what is the impact with SWAC recruiting in general this year and the then Hugh Jackson coming in and the NFL stuff, and then uh, com- and then compare what teams did this year versus last year. So, I mean, I think Dion gets a lot of credit, but I think he gets credit in a different way. I think people get too caught up in, like, Dion itself. I think Dion just opened a door that's always been there that was kind of forgotten about. Like, there was nothing keeping these kids from going to the FCS or the SWAC or anything like that, but what Dion did is open it showed everyone how to walk through it and now there's a lot of people looking to walk through that door if that kind of analogy makes sense he opened up a door that it looked like it was closed after you know in the past where kids weren't afraid to go to, to hbcus or fcs schools and things like that now dion showed the kids that it doesn't matter where you go i mean campbell had a four-star flip from arkansas today campbell i mean that doesn't even sound right when, when i say that and campbell had <laughs> A top 75 recruiting class. That, that, that makes no sense to me. And what it does is not only with just the SWAC, but the entire FCS is that Dion, Hugh Jackson, Willie Simmons, all these great coaches at the FCS level are showing kids you don't have to go sit on the bench for three years at Alabama and have, 
and hope you have one great injury-free year to get drafted. You can go to North Dakota State. You can go to FAMU. You can go to Jackson State, Grambling, Tennessee State, North Carolina A&T. It doesn't matter exactly where you commit. All you got to do is go show out and show what type of athlete you are. I mean, I was down in Mobile this weekend covering the HBCU Combine, and a kid out of Virginia State stole the show. That kid, he high as you could on the vert and almost broke the machine he jumped so high. I mean, the kid had hyper-athleticism, and he's sitting there playing at Virginia State when, back, you know, a few years ago, they probably would have never even saw the kid. That kid would have been doing whatever his degree is, working at some company, and never would have known how great of an athlete he was. And now he's on NFL draft boards right now because of his performance at the Combine. So for me, I think what we saw this year is that – Antoine Collier transferring in. Jackson State hit the transfer portal harder than anybody last year at the FCS. What I saw this year is an expansion of that, and now these teams are building depth. They're getting three-star athletes out of high school, four-star athletes. Jackson State lands the number one player in the country. And so what I don't want people to do is try to jump the gun and say, oh, well, next year, if if the SWAC doesn't land six five-stars, we're, we're taking a step backwards. No, it's going to be a slow process, but let's say FAMU, Grambling, Jackson State, all land four stars next year. That's a small step forward, and it's going to be that small step forward till things start flowing. What I think Dion did, man, is open a door that people kind of forgot that they can open and showed people that they can take that path to the next level. And I think overall, if you're a college football fan, parity is the biggest thing. The more parity there is, the better. I want FAMU to be good. I want Jackson State to be good. I want like six schools in the A Sun to be good, six schools in the CAA to be good. To watch one team dominate isn't necessarily the best thing for college football. So to see more parity is a great thing. And I, I, I will forever be glad that Deion Sanders, Hugh Jackson, and these coaches at the FCS level have done this. Hey, Blue, let me ask you this. Since you were, you just said you were at the HBCU Combine, do you get a sense – in talking to scouts, and I'm, I'm I'm assuming you probably got a chance to talk to somebody or a few people, do you get a sense that there is a real concerted effort, interest in bringing in? I mean, I mean, can, do you see that they can that they they recognize what we've all felt, what Coach Prime has said that there is talent, and for whatever reason, guys have. Uh, been conservative and gone with what they know. Like they know a kid at Michigan has gotten X, Y, and Z, and maybe he doesn't project out like a kid over at Jackson State or Florida A&M because you just don't know what that program has. But do you do you really sense that this will be a year where we may get back to seeing FCS guys or HBCU guys being taken in numbers as they were prior to the last two to three years. I, I'm still a little nervous. I, the last two years have made me real shy about predicting how many HBCU guys get drafted. What about you? What's your thoughts? Um, I mean, I talked to multiple scouts, multiple players down in Mobile last weekend, and I, the scouts were impressed. And I talked to one, and he said, you know, it's not really a concerted effort of the scouts. It's the NFL teams that need to put forth effort because they give the scouts this set amount of time to scout prospects. So when they're going out and scouting, all their time's going to the prospects. The teams are like, you got to look at this kid at Michigan. Look at this kid at Florida State. And like they said on I Am Athlete, then, the, then it's up to the scout to sneak away for 30 minutes and go to FAMU. 
or sneak away from Ole Miss for 30 minutes and go check out Jackson State or or someone like that, or sneak away from LSU and go check out Southern, they said it needs to be a part of the upper management to say, listen, we need to set this amount of time to go scout these HBCU prospects because I'll I'll tell you this, HBCU combine, Marquise McClain had scouts drooling. They were like, where is this kid from? They they said this kid does not look like we should have he should have been off our radar. The kid from um, Fayetteville State this week at the Senior Bowl blowing people away. There's an offensive lineman from Southern blowing people away at, at at the Senior Bowl. So I talked to one scout and he said that coming into the week he didn't know a single name on the on the roster for the HBCU Combine. And just to re- just to remind you guys, Felix Harper, Antoine Collier, Keenan Forbes. Marquise McClain, there were some big names there. I mean, Keith Corbin, I mean, there were some giant names on the on the HBCU combine roster. And for a pro scout not to know a single one blows my mind. That that's unacceptable in my opinion. But then there were other scouts where some of these kids were on were, were on their uh, radar. So for me, I think I think last year really and truly was an entire FCS problem. We saw a record low FCS prospects drafted because of the spring season. I think that threw a lot of scouts off, a lot of NFL teams off. And so I think we're going to see a, a small bump this year. Now, how big it is, I don't know. But I think moving forward, man, I, I, that's my big thing on my channel. There is not a talent gap between the FCS and the FBS. More kids from the FCS need to be drafted. More kids from HBCUs need to be drafted. And it's a problem. And And last year, um, it was the biggest example because the kid from Grambling, I don't remember his name. I think it was David Moore was the offensive yes. guard who went down to the senior bowl. He had yes. a better win win rate in one-on-ones and in the game than Alex Leatherwood, who was a first-round pick. Preach. He came he came into the week a fourth-round grade on all on all our paperwork we got for the senior bowl. He was a fourth-round grade. He, he was the like, fourth or fifth best offensive lineman, and then he goes undrafted? How did his right. stock get worse after outperforming some of these first round picks? So I think it I, I think the NFL has to take a strong look at itself. I think we're seeing in the news today why they have to take a strong look at themselves, even with the coaches and what happened with Brian Flores and Hugh Jackson. And as a Dolphins fan, I'm just I'm kind of over the whole franchise as a whole, man. I'm I'm embarrassed to be a Dolphins fan today, to be honest. But I think the NFL as a whole has to look at itself in the mirror and say, what are we doing here? What changes can we make? To, uh, to to just have a quality and, and equity and fairness across the board. And that starts in the draft, that starts in the hiring process and everything like that, man. So I think it's a whole, I guess, fundamental shift in the foundation of what the NFL is. Well said, Blue, well said. We're going to leave it at that. Uh, man, uh, let, let people know where they can find you, how they can reach you when you when your shows air. I mean, because look, if you do like I do, you just hit the subscribe button and you hit the bell. And you know, that's what you should be doing with this show. You should you should just go ahead and and, and hit the hit the like button on, on the JBN channel. Hit the bell. So anytime a show comes on, you got it. But that's what you need to do with Blue Show. So Blue, give the plugs, let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, man, you can find us on YouTube just at just the Blue Bloods, and we should be the first one that pops up. Social media, it's at the underscore Blue Bloods, man. We've got a bunch. Of, it might be off season on the field, but it's not off season over here, man. We got player interviews coming, recruiting. I'm down in Mobile, still co- uh, covering the Senior Bowl, so we'll have a bunch of content on that. And man, covering recruiting as always. But man, thank you guys so much, man. Big fans of the show, and thank you guys for uh, having me on here. And, and tell You'll us, be you, back. will you be? A- Will you be in New Orleans for the HBCU Legacy Bowl? 
I, I applied for credentials, so hopefully they get it to me. If not, I'll be there just just watching it on um, well, watching it, watching it the day of the game. So, and I'm definitely going to be in Tallahassee. I've already talked to Mr. Kofi and Mr. Campbell about that, so I will be in Tallahassee this year and brag one of these games. Oh Let's yes, go. sir. Yes, sir. We we are converting people left and right. Uh, Rattler Nation gets a little bit larger. One show by one show. All right. So uh, again, hey uh, Blue, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Hey, great job today, man. You you and Scotty. I know Scotty's in the in the Thank chat you. room. I see him in there. Uh, <laughs> shout out to him as well. Off script. Uh, you know, you guys did a bang up job today. Outstanding job. Uh, it's, it's good to have all this content out, man. People, you got a chance to go and hear, uh, content from so many different places and it's, it's refreshing. So thank you for being a part of that. Uh, I'll say that. So, uh, we'll make sure to always check out the show and, uh, we, we know we'll have you back. You're part of the family now. So we, we will have you back. Oh, there it is. Let's go. There it is. We just got to get Scotty to do it. We just got to get Scotty to do it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Look, man, so when you come to the tailgate, man, I know you've been to a number tailgate. What is your favorite tailgate food? Mm. Oh, man, I I always go for some ribs, man. Always go for some ribs. I got ribs. Ribs ribs are king down in Tally, so I will will tell you that. And – uh. Right before you, you have to leave, get Sam man, to hook give you us up. a top five. Give us a top three in the SWAC East and the t- a top three in the SWAC West. Oh, for next season. Mm. Yep. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna still lead right now for Jackson State number one in the East. I'm gonna put FAMU two and A and M and A and M third. I think it's gonna stay about the same now. If FAMU, it, depending on who what FAMU's quarterback situation looks like, that could change. But right now, I'm gonna go with you know, Shador Sanders and that consistency, because I don't know if it's going to be Musa or McKay as QB1. So we'll see on that. And on the other side, I'm going to have Grambling coming out. I think Grambling gets it done year one. I think Q Jackson is going to put on an absolute show on the other side. I think I think for number two, ah, man, it's going to be tough. But I'm going to go Southern number two. I think it's going to come down to that last week of the season. That rivalry is going to go – berserk at that at that games for the division and then third i'm going to put all corn i think all corn losing felix harper they're probably going to take a step back the kid they got from louisiana tech looks promising but they they got to replace a lot on the offense and defensive line so grandpa and jackson state meet up in the swag championship Woo. all right interesting all right that's all right that's okay. It's a, he'll change his we'll mind on Swag Media Day. <laughs> yeah, Swag Media Day. Hey, he'll hey, change we'll, his mind. We'll remind him. Uh, yes. He ain't changed his mind by the time uh, the Orange Blossom Class come around. <laughs> hey, Blue, we got when you. you throw that snake now, next time you throw it, don't be afraid to just let it go. You got to boom. You got to release that thing. Like, you got to bam. You got to put some vibration in it like that. You got to release that snake. Don't just kind of like, you know, don't do it right there. But put it on out there and go on and release that snake. There we go. I got you. I'll I work on it. I'll work on it till next time. And next time I come on the show, I'll have it down. Let's go. Well said. Well said. All right. Much um, love, man. Thank I just you. Got, 
I just got the text. Coach Simmons will be on at the bottom of the hour. So we're going to take a break now. And we're going to get into talking a little bit more about the class. And then coming up at the bottom of the hour, the head ball coach himself will be joining us. So uh, you guys make sure to uh, like, share, and let folks know Coach Simmons is coming on a little bit later. Thank you again to Blue for joining us. Let's take a break. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. It's like a loot machine. All around town, trying to get down. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. I want you to get the vaccine because I want you to be safe. I don't want you to be a patient. I take care of you in the hospital. That's what I'm scared of. Can I hug you? Yeah. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. It's NBA TV, and baby, the swag is back. The Lady Rattlers and the Lady Tigers start the show. Then, the champ is here. Last season, TSU's men captured the swag title. The family anxiously await their arrival. Coverage begins Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on NBA TV. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Kofi, Marcus Green, all in. Got to thank Blue for joining us in the last segment. Again, coming up at the bottom of the hour, the head ball coach, Coach Simmons, coming in to join us. Uh, Kelvin was at the uh, the uh, FAMU recruiting pep rally. Um, let's just kind of go around the horn a little bit. I know we can get into individually talking about guys. Let's maybe talk about go around the horn and just talk about maybe one or two guys that you are uh, really excited about as you review this class. So uh, uh, let, let's go. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Marcus first. Guess first. Marcus, we'll go. Who, who? We'll just kind of go around the horn. Who are you really excited about? I like Jordan Moore to kind of echo what Blue Blood was saying because we're replacing uh, replacing safety. A safety tandem that was pretty much all world for us last season. I like him as a player coming in with experience, uh, with power five experience, but also being highly talented coming out of high school. I'm excited to see what Destin Coates is going to do because he is going to be that replacement for Bishop Bonnet. I think he's a little bigger. I'm not sure about speed in terms of comparing the two, if he has the breakaway. But compared to what we have on campus, other than some folks in the black hole, you know, that were either redshirted or 
uh, transfers that came over the summer and may have been on the scout team. But right now he looks to be the bell cow for the running game. And I guess one other, um, uh, I guess, intriguing uh, selection would be, for me, would be the play of uh, Eric Horn, the transfer linebacker out of Iowa State and Jacksonville Reigns High School. You know, once again, filling in a, a position of need where both of our linebackers are or graduated or exhausted the eligibility, but him coming in and presumably being, um, I don't know if he's going to be anointed the instant leader of the group, but you know, having the most experience between the folks coming in along with um, Isaiah Major and, you know, we've got a couple of freshmen recruit linebackers, but just upgrading that linebacker core. And we do have, I guess, a couple of redshirt freshmen, but who knows where they are in terms of their development. So he's coming in, I think, with the most level of experience. All right, Kelvin, who you who uh, who about who for you? So uh, I agree with Marcus. I'm interested to see Destin Coates in this offense because he's a super productive player. And um He's a he's a he's coming home. He's a local kid. I think his upside is actually higher than Bishop's, um, and so I, I want to see what he contributes to uh, the backfield with what we got returning. And then I'm gonna go with somebody a little bit off the grid that probably is, I'm right now. I'm saying project later on. He won't play this year, but I'm interested to see. Because his talent level, and I think who Blue was referring to, was uh, the, Rook, the quarterback out of Rutgers, who um, I, we recruited, I think, as a wide receiver. Um, mm-hmm. He is a FBS talent as an athlete, no doubt about it. In open field, he's a he's trouble, and so I don't know what kind of time Mike Townsend is his last name. Yeah, Michael Townsend. I, I, yeah, I'm not okay. sure about his hands and route running yet, but if we if he if he can hold on to the ball, he may be somebody this year that comes out of nowhere and um, be a player for us. So Michael Townsend, you know, I didn't see his name. I I don't know if we did he. I don't know if he signed his. Uh, papers, Marcus, because I did not see anything tweeted out from FAMU stating that he had signed. I, do you have any info on that? I, I didn't see he committed. I, I saw his tweet. Yes, and he actually, I guess they had a signing day ceremony at Rickards, and both he and uh, the offensive lineman Myron Ward were slated as signing with FAMU. Now, the other question is, and I kind of learned this last year, I guess depending on how they're offered, whether it's preferred walk-on or a signee, that may or may not be announced where it's the scholarship athlete. So if they have academics or anything else or preferred walk-on, they may not be officially announced. They would still sign a letter of intent, but they wouldn't be announced, I guess, as an official athletic in a uh, recipient. So right. they may not get formally announced. So I learned that last year, and that was one of the uh, things that um, – uh, uh, Francis, also out of Rickards, you know, he was an academic. So he was, you know, he got an academic scholarship and he committed to FAM and did the signing day, but not having received 
from what I understand, athletic aid. He didn't get announced, but he's still got a from academics. He's still on the team. So I think that may be the nuance with some of the names that we don't see of people who say they've committed to FAMU. It may not be formally announced. You may see their signing day pictures, but it may not go up on the roster. And I don't think the coaches can speak on them until they officially enroll in school. So even though they're student athletes, like for everyone who signed today as an athletic aide, I believe Coach Simmons can speak on after the paperwork. But I think there was an if they don't receive aid, he still can't speak on them until they formally enroll on campus. I think that's how it works. Okay. that That's interesting. Yeah, because you mentioned Townsend. Another uh, – well, I, I'll let Kofi jump in there. I, I've seen a couple things uh, before I before I jump in there. Kofi, who about you? Who do you have uh, – who do you have eyes on? Who, who do you have? Well, I want to say uh, Kamani King. That the, I want to say the Iowa State duo, obviously, um, with Kamani King and Eric Horn, as well as um, Travante Davis, uh, wide receiver mm-hmm. out of Wayne State. Uh, I want to see how you know. Obviously, I think he'll be the one that will come in and 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 fit into Chad Hunter's shoes and be able to diversify. Um, our, our wide out scheme or our rack boys 2.0 as they like to be referred to. But uh, I liked his highlights. I liked what he was able to do uh, in space. I liked his ability to create separation um, with DBs and he has good hands. And uh, those are three attributes of a wide receiver that you definitely want to see. And uh, you know, obviously Destin Coates being a homeboy coming back home and doing it. But I, I want to say, man, like, uh, you know, Jordan Moore is obviously the obvious one, but that running back, our running back room is deep, bro. It is, it is really, really deep. And we've got playmakers. We've got power. We've got shift. We've got quickness. We've got all of the above just a full toolbox to really work with. And we won't be one dimensional offense. That was probably one of the great things that I would say about last year's squad is that you could not line up and just say we were going to be, or we were going to throw the ball or we were going to run the run helped to open up the throwing lanes and the throwing lanes helped to open up the running lanes. I just want us to stick with the thing that, you know, our bread and butter, of course, at the most crucial times, man. And I'm looking forward to what this offense is going to bring. I think that this team is probably going to be even more dynamic than it was last year. Uh, One of the things that I just saw from, yeah. Too far. Say again. Saw a question from one of the posters um, from Tech Rattler, I guess, Jimmy McDaniel asked about how many scholarships we might have have left. Uh, I'm not sure, but by my count, we have, I think, including the early signees, we have 23 people that were officially signed. So, But, you know, also at the FCS level, we can have partial scholarships, so it's not full equivalence. And so we can, you know, split and everything else. So I don't know how many players we're actually going to get, and I don't know how many are actually leaving per se. But just on a name basis between – the early signing day and today, unless something's happened before after the show, 
I have uh, up to 23 signees for the class of 2022. And, you know, do what you will with that number. I know you're supposed to only sign 25 in a class, but I think that 25 is full-time equivalent of scholarships. And at the FCS level, you can split them. So we have a lot more flexibility and a lot more maneuverability with the money when you combine not only scholarships, but folks who are on athletic, I'm sorry, academic aid and also in need-based aid, you can kind of mix and match and expand your, expand your signing day class. So hopefully that answers his question. Okay. Well, you, you mentioned that. I mean, that was that number one, I I got to thinking, I I saw the numbers for Alabama A&M. I mean, they've got like 38 recruits, you know, and so you just, just go, just go check the Twitter feeds and uh, there was a nice little PowerPoint presentation that uh, uh, Kyle Maynard did that broke down all of their recruits. But um, I, that's a question I would hold that because when Coach Simmons comes on, I, hey, that, he's the guy that we can ask. I mean, we can ask directly that question to him. Uh, how many scholarships are left or what's the number? Also, another thing I saw EA in the uh, chat room said that Darius Fagan apparently is coming back in 2022. I know he was on the list, I thought, Marcus, on our depth chart analysis as uh, being out. Um, yeah, I wasn't apparently... sure. I wasn't sure. Okay. We can ask Coach Simmons. Yes. But I saw. I remember, I think, the last episode of um, Why Not Us, he said something when he was fixing um, – Marquise breakfast that last meal, I think before the Florida classic, he said something that hinted it like he was coming back, but I wasn't sure. Cause I hadn't heard anything. Right. Okay. So uh, yeah, that's interesting. My, so the guys for me, and the reason I brought up Fagan is the linebacking core was really that area. I still go back to watching how we seem to just, we just needed to be more in that position. Like I, I go back to watching us against USF uh, I thought that was a winnable game, but I, I just didn't think we had what we needed in a linebacking core. And then I go back to thinking about uh, the end of the season and how we just got spread out and didn't seem to really be able to have the linebackers to, to cover. And so when I when I think about Eric 20 Horn uh, coming from Iowa State, 6'1", 223, uh, and, and he's a hitter. Um, uh, you know, his coach, uh, Coach Riz, who's out there in Gaston County. He's one of, one of your former mentees, Kofi. Uh, he, he, he said he's a hitter, and he loves to hit. That is what he told me. So I'm looking forward to Eric 20. Eric 20 Horn is what he's known. Um, but how about a couple of these incoming freshmen? Uh, Jordan Gilly from right there in the backyard, Kelvin, a Florida high guy. A Florida high coming over to FAMU. Uh 6'2", 220, I believe one of the top 10 players in the state of Florida overall, or at least by position, one of the two. But a tremendous athlete from what I'm hearing uh, from more than more than one person. And he had some power five opportunities. So the fact that we got a young man who's right in the backyard that's coming to FAMU, I'm excited about that. It's about that. That's the level of excitement I have. The the young man that we signed a couple years ago from uh, Armwood. Um, we talked about him last week. Uh, that I'm hoping Core. gets on the field. Who? Core. 
Core, yes, Jaleel Core. Thank you. I'm going to remember. I'm going to stop forgetting his name because uh, he's a, he's a guy that I'm hoping finds his way on the field because a lot of high marks for him coming out of uh, high school. But six two two twenty. Also, how about Devin Smith, another high school guy from Riverside High School, six two two twenty. That's he's good. a three star. That is great size, and already, I mean, look, here's here's Eric Horn, who's been in a Power 5 program at 6'1", 223. These kids are coming out of high school already at a similar size. I, I mean, that, that, that says something. And then the last one for me, how about, did anybody pay attention that we signed a 6'4", or 6'3", defensive back from Tulsa, Lamar Miller, 6'3". Six three. Mm-hmm. He's from Miami, though, right? Lamar Mullins, excuse me, Mullins. Uh, I don't know where he's from. I think I originally he is, because we offered him like two weeks, well, almost a year ago, like right after signing day last year. So I saw the offer, and I wasn't. He was coming in for twenty twenty one or twenty two, so I wasn't really sure where to peg him. But he comes from Westlake High School, and actually, when I was looking at him, Roster max preps. He played with current cornerback for Atlanta Falcons, AJ Terrell. They're on the same team as seniors. All right, all right. And so, um, and they Um, went. I think. Now, Brian, quick question for you. I don't know if I can send you something, a graphic, before Coach Simmons comes on because he can't talk about this because there are future prospects. But I have a I have a list for twenty twenty three that will get Rattler Nation fired up. So I don't know let's, if I, I can't share my uh, screen. Or... Yeah, let's Go do ahead. this. I, here's what I would do. I would do a little screenshot of it, and we will show it after we talk to Coach. That way okay. we can talk about it afterwards. Or maybe we'll talk it about it next week. I don't know. But it just depends on how long the interview with Coach goes. But uh, I do want to get to a break. Hopefully, we'll have Coach on the other side. He said he'd be in at the bottom of the hour. We're coming up uh, just a couple of minutes before that. So let's make sure to get our commercial breaks in and come back on the other side. Hopefully, we'll have Coach Willie Simmons joining us here on the ONG Strike Zone on the other side. We'll be back in just a moment. It's like a loop machine. Now bar, please. One dollar. Have a good one. Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. Got it. Squirmy, scratchy, family not getting clean? Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get them. It just cleans better. With a diamond weave texture, your family can use less while still getting clean. 
Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, clean bottom. <laughs> <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? It's NBA TV, and baby, the swag is back. Florida and m Rattlers, Texas Southern Tigers, where you at? First, the ladies of the Rattlers and Tigers start the show. Then, the champ is here. Last season, TSU's men captured the SWAC title. The fam used spears on the floor and anxiously await their arrival. This HBCU showcase will be electric. Don't miss it. TSU, FAMU, pull up, tap in. Coverage begins Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on NBA TV. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Round Table, The Pre-Game Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Kofi, Marcus Green here. Uh, coming up here pretty soon, Coach Willie Simmons will be joining us. Uh, <laughs> we say, Kelvin, I don't want to – we were kind of talking backstage. I, you said – hold on, you can go ahead and say you, you don't want to bring that up right now. Is that what you're about to tell me, don't bring that up? I mean, you can bring it up, but I don't know it, how much meat on the bones right now because they, they didn't announce exactly what it is and, and how much it is right now. They're just close yeah. to this groundbreaking deal. You can you can bring it up, though. We, we, we did the same thing. I'm just saying, you know, we – hey, we, we, we're the first to do this. I, what does that mean, though? Anyway, we're just talking. We, we, we'll let y'all in on the – a and B conversation here a little bit later. <laughs> um, a little bit of breaking news that happened while we were in the break. Uh, sources, had, our sources, uh, not our sources anyway, uh, our producers shared with us that uh, one of the major classics is without one of their main partners. Uh, it seems like Jackson State may by all accounts, not be playing in the Southern Heritage Classic uh, against Tennessee State in Memphis. So uh, th- that's interesting. And apparently, uh, by 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 what we're hearing, Tennessee State was kind of not aware of that. So uh, I see you shaking your head a little bit in disgust, Kofi. Uh, we don't know 
all the facts. I haven't seen any press release from that school uh, yet, but uh, <laughs> your your initial thoughts, Kofi, are I love to hear it. Go ahead. This is why I say F. Jackson State. Okay, <laughs> they I knew get, it. This is why I say bump Jackson State because that was some shady. Mississippi, I ain't going to put that on Mississippi, okay? That was some shady crap that Jackson State did. You are under contract to 2024 with the school that you had a good relationship with, and you can pick up the phone and say, this is what we're thinking. This is what we're going through. That's just basic honor. So what you're telling me, Jackson State, is that you have no honor. So with us, We've done all this talk about possibly trying to recruit Tennessee State to be a part of our conference. Now, if I'm Tennessee State, I'm like, why in let me uh, why in the world me, why in the world would me. I now join a swag join a swag with with ninjas like this that can't even pick up the phone and call you and tell you what they're thinking? That's not a way to build a relationship. It's sneaky, it's shady, and it's downright wrong. Let me read a statement that just has immediately been released by Tennessee State President Glenda Glover. The powerful opening paragraph, mind you. Jackson State University's announcement that their football team will no longer play in the Southern Heritage Classic is an insensitive and irresponsible act that has far-reaching implications and goes beyond football. The Classic is about more than TSU, JSU, our alumni, and fans. Uh, the Memphis business community, including small black-owned businesses, many of which are mom-and-pop businesses, will suffer incalculable uh, damage. Their businesses rely on contracts that are generated as a result of activities associated with the game and purchase supplies and other items in preparation for this annual event. What's even more disappointing is that there are no opportunities for discussion or a courtesy call to the TSU president, director of athletics, or head coach before the decision was made to breach the contract, which has three years remaining. TSU found out from a national scheduler. Wow. They get a straight up F. Just the way that it's handled. It's not that, you know, I mean, stuff happens X, Y, and Z. If, if I was the president, I would tell Jackson State to kiss my entire posterior. Okay. Um, and um, yeah. I just think that that's wrong. That's just not the way that you do business in this day and age. That's some country, Mississippi, backwoods BS, and I don't like it. Wow. Um, all right. What else? What else? Well, I'm sitting here trying to uh, get our get our coach on the line. <laughs> well, look, man. Uh, look, we got we check got your email, Brian. Yeah, tell me, me uh, talk about talk about something real quick while I'm checking uh, this email <laughs> and trying to get uh, coach together. Bring up a topic. What were we just talking about, Kelvin? Backstage. 
Uh, you was talking about the announcement, the the sale. It wasn't much of an announcement. The NIL with uh, Grambling, uh, but you know, it's a lot of innuendo in that. You know, right now we don't know what it looked like. They're saying that they're gonna have a deal in place for all their scholarship athletes. Um, you know, we don't know how much. We don't, you know, know exactly how it's structured. So, um, you know. We'll, we'll see. I'm a, I'm from Missouri. You got to show me. So, you know, I, I, it was good hype right before uh, signing day. <laughs> the timing was yeah, good. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, I, I just, you know, hey, look, all I know is I know FAMU said we were front running or out front of NIL. And I, I don't know that we've done anything as cool sounding as – what Grambling is doing. And I, I noticed I said cool sounding, right? It sounds cool. But then I also heard, I think as I was listening to another show, what if it were like $200 for every student athlete? Would it, would it be as right. exciting? I mean, right. are you really excited? I mean, that you know, so. Exactly. Yeah. The devil is in the details. Yes. The devil is in the details. details. Right now. Right. Yeah, what 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 is enough? You know, what if it were enough just to cover some books and a meal? If there are five hundred for every kid, would it be an opportunity? Look, as it relates to the Southern Heritage, one of the things that opens the door up, my good friend Dexter, my 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 former uh, mentor at at FAMU, uh, had a chance to intern under Mister Martin at FAMU in the sports marketing department. Uh, it doesn't open the door for FAMU and Tennessee State renewing the rivalry. Does does it open the door? You know? Any thoughts? It, it I would much to be. I would much rather. Go ahead, be, Kelvin. Um, yeah, I would much rather us play um, uh, neutral site classics. Uh, have you know bring the Atlanta Classic back with the right money versus playing money beatdown games. I'm with Dion and his scheduling philosophy. So if we can get the right deal in place with the right guarantee, then it's a no-brainer to have, uh, you know, Tennessee State back on our schedule. And the opportunity, obviously, is is, is there now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could take what, uh, uh, whenever the contract is up with South Carolina State, they can roll in as our FCS annual opponent. If we keep the same – and I hear what you're saying, Kelvin. I agree. You know, the beatdown, the guarantee games aren't necessarily advantageous other than the check. But if we keep the same schedule profile with one guarantee game, one FCS level, and one uh, HBCU D2, then Tennessee State could roll in, maybe if it's on a trial basis or a couple-year basis, as the to fill in where South Carolina State is now and then kind of rekindle it a little bit because we've had such a gap in that rivalry versus Southern, and even though we had a gap there. But, you know, our three biggest uh, well-known opponents and, and arch rivals are Southern, BCU, and Tennessee State, but it, that was kind of waned by the side because of scheduling conflicts and a lot of the old guard that remembers the tough contest between John Merritt and whomever was coaching FAMU, whether it was, you know, Coach Gaither or somebody else, all those folks are, are going or gone. Mm. 
some interesting conversation as we're catching, as you see our social media. Uh, you guys are out there. You guys are on it, man. Uh, a lot of restrictions there keeping FAMU out of Atlanta. Seems criminal if FAMU's out of Atlanta, but that's all right. Um, you know, we'll make our way all around the state of Georgia uh, regardless. It's just a shame that uh, the only way we can get to Atlanta is the uh, Celebration Bowl. Um, or I guess if we played in the Miag Challenge. True. Let me let me uh, let me. There's, there's a third day window between uh, these the um what is it the uh, Miag Swag Challenge. There's a third day window for that, and uh, and I think uh, also with the Celebration Bowl, but it's not for every venue. Um, so there 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 there's there's opportunity there. They can't keep us out of Atlanta. The mail from no. They can't. Hey, Brian, can I can I interject here? Please, please do, please. All right, I need to interject. I need to I need to backtrack because I was in my feelings about the whole Jackson well, State thing, hold, and I want to make sure. Hold on, Kofi. Hold on, Kofi, because we got Coach Simmons. He he's he's here, so I, I gotta have you hold that thought while we we can't leave Coach hanging. So can you hold that thought, and then that way we can get. I'll Coach make it real quick. I just wanna I wanna issue out a quick apology while you bring him on. That's all. Go ahead. Go ahead real quick. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, so my mom is from Mississippi. I have Mississippi roots. I did not mean to call out the entire state of Mississippi. It's not the Mississippi (laughs) thing. I'm just really pissed that Jackson State's leadership was so trifling that they couldn't pick up the phone and call (laughs) them to make a decision. That is just raggedy. I don't care how you say it. It's raggedy. And I didn't mean to put all the Mississippi people in it because all the Mississippi people aren't raggedy. That's not what I meant. But it was some raggedy, just just a raggedy behavior. I don't like it. It was downright disrespectful to do that to one of our HBCU brethren. And that's that. All right. With that, we would like to welcome in uh, the head ball coach, uh, he is on the move. Uh, he is he is uh, taking some time out of his busy day, his busy evening. Head coach Willie Simmons, coach, we know you're there. How you doing, sir? <laughs> I, I apologize for the light. I apologize for the lighting. Uh, Woo, man, you got, got a suntan. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm in the car. I'm in the car, so I hey. apologize. But uh, glad to be on, coach. Coach, look, look. We, this is how this is how we know you love us because we have been in your office, in your home, uh, on the holidays, and, and now we got you in the car. I, look, man, we we appreciate you, Coach. That, that's love. We we really appreciate you. Uh, congratulations on the class, uh, the twenty twenty two strike class, strike twenty two. Uh, what what are your what are your thoughts about this day, and, and what kind of excitement? Does it does it bring to you when you see all the hard work that you and your staff have done and getting these uh, these new group of rattlers introduced to Rattler Nation? Well, signing day is always uh, an exciting time school across the country. Um, you know, this is our first opportunity to really see what the 2022 football team will look like. Um, we had an early signing period in December, uh, but now it kind of comes to a head to a head with you know, the guys that we signed today. And so we're very excited about this group. We feel we filled a lot of needs uh, across the board. We built some quality depth, um, brought in a great mixture of older guys, 
uh, and younger guys, and uh, we feel that we put together a team that can go in and compete for a SWAT championship uh, right away, which is what, which is what Rattler Nation always expects from us. Well said. Kelvin, go ahead. Coach, I was at the event earlier uh, today, and um, I, I kind of want you to kind of repeat uh, some of the um, – some of the surprises, uh, the Devin Smiths and so forth, yeah. uh, you know, some guys we kind of were familiar with and knew that they might be signing with us, and then there were some names that just we wasn't sure. So talk about uh, some, some, some of the surprises. And then uh, your preferred walk-on list, right? Uh, I don't know if you can talk about those kids specifically, but – if you you know if you can talk about just that process and and how many you have, yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, because of the early signing period, it, it, it's kind of taking a little bit of the luster from uh, this signing period. You look across the country, uh, there wasn't a lot of excitement today. I think there were a few guys that were still undecided um, at the quote unquote major college level. Um, so most of us were done with our, with the bulk of our class in December. Um, but today did pose a couple of surprises. Um, Devin Smith is a young man uh, who, you know, was had SEC offers, um, was committed to Vanderbilt. I know Georgia Tech was, was really high on him. He's a guy that had over 20 offers from Power 5 and Group of 5 schools. And, um, you know, just kind of the last minute felt that FAMU was the place for him. And, you know, uh, we've had a lot of success in Jacksonville. Uh, he's at Riverside High School. Of course, m- most people would know that Robert E. Lee High School. Um, but, you know, again, just the, the relationships that we had with with the Duval uh, area coaches, um, the families there, and the kid wants to be a Rattler, you know. And so he signed with us. He was a three-star player, um, I think number 130-something in the state of Florida. Uh, and I think the second highest player that we've ever had commit to, to, to FAMU. And uh, so, you know, he was probably the highlight of the day. And then Kareem Burt, even though Kareem uh, has been committed for a little over a week, uh, Kareem was another guy who was committed to, to, to UConn. And so this is a guy that turned down a group of five school in the American Conference to stay in Florida and, and come play uh, at FAMU. So the second and third highest rated players to ever sign out of high school to FAMU uh, we're both in this class, and that's in Devin Smith and Kareem Burke. So we're excited about those two guys. Uh, and then the, the, the preferred walk-ons that you talked about, um, most of those guys are local you know, from right here in the Big Bend area. And so we wanted to continue our, our you know, uh, path, a, a history of really, you know, recruiting at, at home, in our home base. There's a lot of really good football in the Big Bend area, and we wanted to make sure that we secured that talent. So uh, six of the young men uh, who inked on today with us, uh, are from Rickers High School, Florida High, uh, and Gaston County High School. And so we're very excited about those young men. And we think those uh, those guys will help fill the seats in Bragg, being that we're able to keep some local talent here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kofi. Hubba, Coach. So um got a couple of quick questions for you um, that have been buzzing, obviously, in Rattler Nation and wanted to know, A, is Xavier coming back? Is Nadarius Fagan coming back? Xavier Smith? Yes, sir. Sorry. Okay, okay. We, we got Xavier Smith and Xavier Land, so I didn't know exactly which one you're uh, referring to. Right. But yeah, Xavier Smith is, 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 is returning for his um, basically sixth year. You know, obviously all those guys got an extra year with the COVID waiver. 
So Xavier is is returning, um, you know, for uh, another senior year, which we're very, very excited about. Of course, Xavier's one of the more dynamic players in the country, one of the top receivers in America. And then Darius Fagan is also returning uh, for his sixth year as well. And so we're very excited to have those two guys returning uh, to the team. And we think they'll bring not only great leadership, uh, but big-time playmaking ability uh, to this program. Awesome. So I know a lot of the players have been talking about the Neil deals, the NIL deals, and um, trying to do that. How do we bridge that gap and make that happen for our for our players? Is there anything that we can do to assist that? And what does that process kind of look like? Well, you know, again, uh, name, image, and likeness is simply uh, individuals um, or companies, corporations, um, you know, investing in these young men. And so if, you know, if, if you have the means to, to put, you know, to sponsor one of our players or to, to, you know, have one of our guys endorse a product that you have or services that you provide, um, we can do that now uh, legally. You know, obviously, alone for a long time, a lot of schools were doing that under the table, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't legal. But now it is legal. You know, so again, that's that's really the the bulk of it. Um, you know, we are new to this space at the HBCU level, at the at the the, the low resource level, and so uh, it, it's going to take a lot of us. It's going to take us to do a lot of research on innovative ways to do so. Um, but there are some some creative things that we can do to to secure some NIL deals for our players. Maybe not at the level that, you know, a power five school can at this point offering in many cases, six figure deals, but we can do like Gremlin has done and find ways to incentivize uh, our scholarship student athletes. And that may be at a, at a, you know, $500 level, $1,000 level or what it is. But if you can tell a young man or young woman that they can make that type of money coming to an HBCU, uh, that's a game changer. And that will make many of these young men and women shun uh, group of five schools that we've lost players and recruits to for a long time, bring them back to, to our respective institutions. So uh, I'm looking forward to researching it myself and learning more about it because I do think there's some great opportunities to, to you know, incentivize our, our prospective student athletes. Awesome. Well said. Marcus, go ahead. Oh, good evening, coach. Um, I had a question about a particular signee, uh, Trevante Davis, and mm-hmm. I guess he's, I guess he's out of our typical recruiting range. I'm just curious how you happened to cross him, and how did it transpire that he is now a rattler? So, uh, unique story. Um, one of the, one of the challenges that the, the transfer portal has. Uh, presented to, to really all of us, and particularly us at the at the, the quote unquote uh, mid major and, and FCS level, is the fact that schools cannot recruit off your campus. And so you take a guy like Isaiah Land. You know Isaiah Land is the FCS player of the year. Uh, you don't think the BS program? I think he just broke up. Wait a minute. Hmm. We lost you there, Coach. The FBI was trying to jump in there, trying to shut him down. <laughs> coach, Coach, hold on. We lost you. We lost your audio for a second. Uh-oh. Did he get sniped? No, I see he's there. I see him. 
Coach, are you there? Coach, Coach Simmons. Let me make sure. I see the shadow. Can we get him to log out and log back in hey, real quick? I, I see the shirt. <laughs> I see the shirt, too. <laughs> and the flower. Yes, sir. And the tea with the over his mouth. <laughs> get off my coat. Coach. Hold on, hold on. Hey, uh, Drew, can we bring Coach back into the into the green room for a second and just see if we can uh, reset reset him for a second? Not, we lost the audio somewhere. We got the video. We lost the audio. All right. So maybe I know we're working on that uh, while we work on trying to bring coach back uh again i mean we we appreciate coach for joining us obviously he's probably yeah. just coming back from the event at, at the moon uh and, and so you know uh just just goes to show uh you know where where we are with with the love and and that that's great that coach would take some time to to to, to jump in the car and chat with us before mm-hmm. uh probably Absolutely. heading home you know so we 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 want to make sure we we get that right. Marcus had a good – What recap your question again, Marcus, so that way when he comes back, what was your question mm-hmm. that you just asked him? Oh, it was about uh, Trevante Davis, right? Yes. He's a – actually, he's a, a wide receiver out of Michigan, and he's Wayne at – State. Wayne State, D2. So he's a D2 transfer. And I'm just curious okay. as to how they came across him and – got him down here. Now, I know way back in the day under the Humphreys era, there was a Detroit pipeline, at least from academics. So I don't know to what degree that had any role or if there's even still that same Detroit-Chicago pipeline when he was doing Life Gets Better. And then, you know, a lot of Detroit folks came down football academics or if this was something from, you know, someone gave him a tip or how that actually transpired. He did did mention that story. Uh, at the uh, recruiting thing tonight, so hopefully we'll get him back. Oh, there we go. All right, we got coach. I see an ear. There we go. All right, there we go. Hey, uh, coach, you were telling us about we got you back. You were telling us about uh, the uh, Travante Davis story, yeah. So, like I was saying, Trey Davis is a guy that was a division two all conference performer that we um, identified in the transfer portal. and one, the bigger guy, uh, he was available, and he was excited about the chance to move up in level and compete at a high level. So much like you know, bigger schools try to recruit our young men, uh, because of the transfer portal, we're able to get some young men at smaller schools now and, uh, and, and you know, bring them here. So he was with the first one, but probably won't be the last. Hmm. Okay. Well, thank nice. You. Hey, uh, I had a question about Jordan Gilly, Coach, uh, a local guy. You, you mentioned we got six guys – from Rickards, Florida High, Gaston County. I, I don't know if you were counting Jordan Gilly in one of those, but but he's one of the top-ranked linebackers in the state. Talk a little bit about uh, Jordan Gilly. I mean, in, in a class where I think we have some great transfers, but in terms of guys out of high school, he reminds me of uh, – I remember you were really excited about Gentle Hunt a few years ago. And look, Gentle Hunt turned out to be a, a great pick, uh, a great recruit. Um Talk about Jordan Gilly and what we can expect from Jordan Gilly's future. Well, uh, again, he's one of the young men that we um, identify locally, and um, we think he's going to be a really good player for us, great motor, 
great attitude, loves the game, and uh, comes from a really good program. So we've, we've kind of had a philosophy here since we got here to recruit guys that come from winning programs. And obviously they, they've been one of the top programs in the state over the last four years. And uh, he leads at the all-time leading tackle at, at, at a great program. So we're excited about him. We think he has a very bright future here. What what are the scholarship numbers look like in terms of remaining scholarships left? Is there still more guys that you're expecting to sign here in these upcoming weeks? Uh, we, we we're kind of holding a, a couple of spots. Um, there'll there'll be another huge wave of transfers after spring practice, and so we're kind of waiting to see uh, what that looks like. Uh, there's still a couple of positions that we may try to fill, and um, but we're, gonna, we're not going to rush and be in a hurry. Just take a guy because he's in the portal, and uh, we're going to try to do our best job to evaluate everybody, um, dot all of our I's, cross all of our T's, and and still be able to bring in a couple of diamonds in the rough uh, to this to this you know program that we feel like we've already improved this year. All right, Kelvin, Kofi, any final question uh, real quick? Because we, we know coaches had a long night and we got to get ready to start wrapping up our show. So any any final question that you guys want to jump in and ask? No, I'm going to let uh, Coach so go. Coach, when uh, does... go, go ahead, Kofi. When does spring practice start and when is the orange and green game? Is it going to be in Bragg or will it be in Capitol Stadium? Well, uh, uh, right now the plan is, to, is for it to be in Bragg. Um, obviously, we're doing the, the West Side renovations currently, um, but we'll start February 26th, uh, and then the Orange and Green game will be um, April the 9th. All right. All right. Hey, hey, Simmons, uh, one quick question. Yeah, Marcus, last yeah. question. Go ahead. Yes. Do you have a timetable for any uh, backfilling of positions that have become open recently? Well, obviously, um, you know, we can't do anything as, as far as getting them in school. So the, the tough part about now at the signing day, um, everyone signs a financial aid agreement. And the financial aid agreement doesn't, doesn't bind the, the, the prospective student athlete to the school. It just binds us to the, to the PSA. And so a guy can technically sign as many financial aid agreements as he wants to right now. So we, we really try to wait until the semester, you know, finishes so that when we do identify a, a young man and bring him on campus, we can get him started in summer school in, 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 in May, you know, so we can lock him in. Because right now, again, after, after the end of the signing period, which is in a few days, uh, at that point, no, nothing's binding. So, you know, we don't, we don't want to, uh, you know, shoot our shot and get a commitment from a guy, and then all of a sudden another school sees it and tries to come in behind us and take him away. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be quiet for right now, and then we'll crank it back up after spring ball is over and after the semester ends. Okay. Well, actually, right. I was asking about yeah. on the staff, not on the, not on the team. Oh, oh I'm sorry, staff-wise. Uh, we have one position left to fill. Uh, we're in the process of interviewing guys now, and we, we should have uh, that position, which is offensive line, filled uh, hopefully by the end of the week. Oh, okay. Nice. All right, sounds good. Hey, uh, Coach, we appreciate your time this evening. Congratulations. Uh, to you and the coaching staff and everybody that uh, brought in this great recruiting class. And as always, it's all love. We appreciate you taking some time this evening to come in and uh, talk with us. All right. Thank you, guys. If, if, if uh, y'all got time, y'all, I'm right around the corner from the, from the campus. I ain't going to tell you where, but you can probably figure it out right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. See you hey, guys. be safe, Coach. Be good. All right, much All right. love, Coach. Oh, man, how great is that? Tell me another show that's given you that kind of late-night coverage of your head ball coach. <laughs> Who else is doing that other than the ONG strike zone? That's what we do. Gotta love it. I, I saw someone come up with a, break, a great phrase, strike the like. I love it. Strike the <laughs> like and uh, let people know about this show. Appreciate that, man. You guys out there in the chat rooms, you guys are great. Uh, some great information that you guys have been sharing. Good conversation back and forth. Uh, let's get ready with final thoughts uh, so we can uh, get ready to get out of here. Uh, Marcus, we'll start with you. Any final thoughts uh, tonight? Can you pull up that graphic or you want me to just roll through it? Oh, yeah. Uh, did uh, ooh, my producer, uh, Drew, did you happen to catch that email I sent? I don't know if we – I forgot to tell Drew while we were in the middle of doing all that. So I know we're probably you doing a tell Drew. So if Drew messed it up, then it's on Drew. No, nah, don't, don't get No, nah, you don't, you don't get out with my producer, man. Drew, you do a great job. We appreciate your brother, man. Forget turn COVID mic off if you have to. <laughs> well, why don't you, Brian, why don't you come back to me last to give us some time to pull it up if you can? All right, we'll do. Kofi, go ahead then. What do you got? Is this mic on? Oh, I'm yeah, sorry, still, Drew. So for a little while longer. <laughs> I'm sorry, Drew. All right. Uh, <laughs> seriously, man, this is uh this is an incredible time. Um, he did, he um, did cut it. <laughs> you back. Go ahead. You back. Go ahead. Go ahead. You back. Go ahead. Am I on? Yes. Don't hurry up. Stop playing around now before it goes off again. All right. So seriously, man, it's an incredible time to be a rat I'm excited to see uh, this class come to fruition. And what is to come over the summer months? Coach Simmons and those do a phenomenal job of uh, connecting the dots and crossing, their, crossing the T's and dotting the I's to make sure that we have the very best roster that we could possibly produce. So, uh, you know, finding out strange, you can see some new names come across the screen over the next few days. But Rattler Nation, let's stay engaged um, with our athletic department and how we can support and help our athletic department reach its goals, whether that's buying tickets, whether that's encouraging um, uh, our faculty to assist or creating additional resources so that our student athletes can prosper in every area, especially academically. This is definitely a crucial time as we hit these crossroads. All right. God bless. Love you. And go, Brian Flores. Hey, amen. Amen. Kelvin, go ahead. Hey, they say they're taking your Mississippi papers, uh, Kofi. <laughs> Nick, Nick Riley. I... <laughs> but, <laughs> but in all seriousness, first of all, let's make sure we support our basketball program. Um, we'll be on NBA TV this Saturday. I'll be in the house. I know that Kofi will be in the house. So uh, I, I'm, I'm encouraging all around the nation to do the same. Um, I think what Kofi is referencing is really important in terms of supporting athletics. I know sometimes we can be, fa you know, fascists and have clicks and so forth. Uh, we got a lot of positive things happening with uh, athletics. And so all those different clicks and fascists need to come together and do right by the, the program, the coaches. Yeah, they're doing the best they can, administration, and so forth. So we got to be a part of the solution and help them get over the hump. 
And y'all leave my women's basketball coach alone, too. Those of y'all who got issues with these games. Y'all leave Coach Pillow alone. Y'all let Coach Pillow have at least two seasons before y'all start complaining, all right? Uh, anyway, go ahead. Uh, Marcus, we do have the graphic ready. All right. Well, I'm going to make it real quick. I mean, today was a banner day uh, in signing, but I want to get people excited for 2023. This is a graphic I put together of the players we have offered for class of 2023. And like I was telling earlier on the show, that if if signing classes had walk-up music, this would either be I ain't no joke or we go to work or I'm going – I get the job done because they're working. You look at this list and I highlighted the orange and position ranks, national and uh, position rank for these players we've offered. And we look, we've offered the number one defensive end, A.D. Overton's son. We offered the number one linebacker for 2023. We offered him as a ninth grader. We offered the number one running back, the number three offensive lineman, the number six defensive lineman. Uh, we offered him last week. Another running back from Florida who's in the top four right now is class of 2023, and the list goes on. And there's a few local guys, Makari Vickers, who actually took a visit, I think, to Alabama State this weekend. So I kind of looked at that with a side eye. But um, he's the number five DB, and you can just go down the list. And these aren't all the 23 offers. These are the ones that are – all of these are top 350 players for the class of 2023. So you just look at the offers that have been made. And Coach Simmons and, and the team are putting in some work. Yeah, that that's some that's some impressive stuff, man. Um, good uh, good shout out, uh, Marcus, uh, for putting that. Uh, I don't know. J, J Mac was saying, is that the graphic that J Mac was talking about, Marcus? Well, yeah, he's asking us to put it up in the pit, so I'll put it up in the pit probably tomorrow. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And also, yeah, I want to so give a shout out to Jordan Durr who actually did the background because I had this slide and a couple others for the earlier show uh, with Roy and BJ Jones. So he did the graphics for me. So I want to give him a shout out for the background graphic for the PowerPoint slide. And I do want to make mention of that. I, all of our shows will be available on the BCSM pod zone. They're on YouTube. If you're, if you've signed into this uh, JBN one YouTube feed, or if you're watching us on Facebook uh, earlier this afternoon, we did a national signing day show. Marcus, uh, our, our, uh, CEO Roy Evans was the host along with Brandon BJ Jones. I know they talked to coach Simmons. It was a good 20 minute conversation, uh, a little more stable, uh, than what we did tonight. So we'll make sure to tweet that out. Uh, you guys can hear, uh, the full 20 minutes of that conversation with coach Simmons. They also talked to, uh, Hugh Jackson and, uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackson, he, he flat out said he's 100% Brian Flores. So if, if you're not aware of what's going on uh, with that situation. I, I encourage you to to uh, educate yourself on what's going on there. Uh, but uh, it, it's uh, it's a, it's might be a day of reckoning coming up for uh, for black coaches. Definitely. I, I, I stand with black coaches on this one, boy. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, we'll make that uh, podcast available. All of the podcasts you can get, BCSN Pod Zone. Everywhere you download and listen to podcasts, of course, all of this content is available. The Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Go to your Google or Apple Play Store. My JBN, my BCSN is where you can find it. And make sure 
you're following us, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ONG Strike Zone. I got one request for everybody watching. Look, we've had a great show, right? You enjoyed all the content we got. We're, we're working. Hopefully, AD Courtney Gauthier is out there watching us. Come on in, AD. Come on in, AD Gauthier. It's okay. We got you. This is a safe place. <laughs> this is not love. So I want, I want, I want everyone watching. Go ahead and send a tweet to AD Gauthier and say, "Hey, come on to the ONG Strike Zone at ONG Strike Zone. Let them know, hey, we want to see you on the ONG Strike Zone next Wednesday. Let's see if we can make it happen." That's my challenge to everybody out there watching. Yeah, Go on Twitter, bring Courtney Gauthier on. Don't stop it. Stop it. Nothing but love. A lot of good stuff to talk we about. Love so we uh we want to shout out the uh the AD and, and give us the state of the Rattler Athletics because there's a lot of good stuff happening and we want to hear about it. And I know you guys want to hear about it as well. We want to hear it right from the top source. So uh hopefully next Wednesday. If you guys tweet out to uh, AD Gauthier and make sure to tag at ONG Strike Zone, we'll make that happen. All right, that's going to do it for this show. Thank you again to uh, Blue Bloods for coming in. Thank you to Coach Simmons. Thank you to Marcus Green. Thank you to our producer, AD Drew. Thank you to my voice for hanging in there. And you, Kofi and Kelvin, for uh, doing a great job as always. Uh, That's going to do it. Hey, get to the pit. Saturday. Afternoon, we take on Texas Southern. Keep the streak alive. Pack the pit. That's going to do it, Rattler Nation. You guys be safe and just make sure to strike, strike, and strike, strike again, family. Yeah, strike again. All right. We're out. Be good. Be good. Peace out.